Humanity Chats, a conversation about everyday issues that impact humans. Join us. Together, we can go far. Hello and welcome to Humanity Chats. We do this on Thursdays. We get together and talk about everyday issues that impact humans. Today, we're going to be talking with Austin and Brandon, and we will be talking about the work of World Relief Services. Um, just a brief background, World Relief Services deals with disaster, poverty, oppression, people. Um, they will be elaborating on that. I am your hostess with the mostest. This is Margie Marge. I am an author, consultant, um, and a people lover. I'm so grateful to you guys for tuning in to watch and listen to us. Welcome to our YouTube viewers. Welcome Facebook. Hey, podcast listeners. We are in 625 cities and 45 countries as of today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so without much further ado, we're going to bring Austin and Brandon into the house. Hold on tight. We're going to get them from that green room. Um, thank you for joining Humanity Chats with Margie. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. This is great to be with you. Yes. Welcome, Brandon. Welcome, Austin. Now, before we get started, I would like for you guys to introduce yourselves to, um, to, our, to our guests, um, to our viewers. And so I guess we're going to start with Austin. Yeah. So my name is Austin Donahue. Uh, I'm actually a native of Greer, South Carolina. So I grew up in Spartanburg County. So um, know the area really well. Uh, I've actually been here at World Belief since April. Uh, I graduated from North Greenville in 2018 with a degree in Christian ministry and um, since then have been really passionate about mixing ministry with community development and really working with people on the margins, um, vulnerable people. So uh, that's my story uh, and I'm glad to be here with you today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Austin. I cannot wait to learn more about the work that you do. Um, now we're going to uh, we're going to get to Brandon. Um, hello, Brandon. Um, welcome to Humanity Chats. Uh, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, my name is Brandon Bond and I'm the office director for World Relief here in the upstate. And, um, you know, we'll talk more about that. But just working here with refugees uh, and giving them support. Um, I've worked in um, international uh, kind of relief and humanitarian work for about 15 years prior to coming here. Uh, spent about um, eight or nine years in, in Pakistan working in rural literacy and nomadic literacy. And then the past four years where I started working with refugees specifically in Jakarta, Indonesia. So working there with uh, refugees from places like Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran, um, working with them as they're in transition providing education and social support for them. Uh, coming out of that then, um, looking at bringing the family back. So we have three kids and just with their educational needs, look at com coming back here and um, originally from Ohio, but heard about the opportunity to work with World Relief here in the upstate of uh, South Carolina. And having spent uh, four years during undergrad way back in the day um, in Columbia, South Carolina, 
knew that we liked South Carolina, thought, you know what, let's uh, let's go and put some roots down there. So arrived just about six months ago, uh, joined a dynamic uh, growing team here and just working to support more refugees. Wow. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to South Carolina. Uh, welcome back to South Carolina, yes. I should say. Um, impressive bios, guys. So, um, you know, either of you can go first. Um, I guess we're going to take it back to Austin since he did the intro fest. Would you tell us what World Relief Services is? So World Relief is actually a humanitarian organization, a Christian humanitarian organization that actually does many things. We have offices overseas, but also in the U.S. Um, with our office, we mainly do refugee resettlement. Uh, and Brandon can talk more to some of the specifics, but we help uh, resettle refugees in the upstate, both in Spartanburg County and Greenville County, um, help them start a new life here, uh, help them with a lot of the social services that are needed. Um, and mainly what I do is connect them with churches and volunteers to um, help build that new um, welcoming community for them. Um, as they enter a new society, a new community, um, and, and start their own life here um, and work with the community just to educate them on how to serve our, our new neighbors um, in the best way possible, um, just to empower them, to equip them to do um, the best they can to serve and love um, their, their new neighbors. Well, that's some great work that you're doing there. Um, now, let me let me take it back to Brandon. How do you um, find those refugees? Do you actively seek them out? Um, do you receive applications? How does it work? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question. So, you know, World Relief being um, you know a national organization in terms of refugee resettlement. So, like Austin said, you know, globally focusing on a lot of different issues in the U.S., primarily focusing on refugee and immigrant services. Um, and our office, um, specifically within the broader immigrant community, working with, um, w- with refugees and those vulnerable communities. Uh, World Relief is one of nine uh, federally recognized refugee resettlement agencies. And so we're part of a federal program and we're, we're part of the refugee resettlement program for the U.S. And so actually... Uh, the majority of people that we serve come through that program. Uh, and it's it's important to you know, remember that when we're talking about refugees, you know, we're talking about individuals who did not choose to leave their country. They were forced out due to a fear, um, a, a well-founded fear of persecution, maybe for their faith identity, their gender, their ethnicity, um, even their political views. So when they're forced out, then they enter uh, an asylum seeking process. So they go to the UN, UNHCR, they apply for asylum. That begins a very long journey for them of going through extensive vetting, background checks. And then um, all of that is done primarily and generally offshore. Um, And once they've gone through that process where the UN vets them and checks them, uh, verifies that they're refugees, and then the U.S. government will do its own background checks and then invite them to come to the United States. And so that's when we take over. So that is all uh, out of our hands. Once they go through that process and they're invited by the United States, then they will more or less hand them over to us so that we can help them with uh, that phase of rebuilding their lives. And we have 19 offices at this point, I believe, uh, across the country. And, uh, you know, basically then the home office says, okay, this family coming in, 
what's the community where they're most likely to experience success? And then they'll send them. And so with us, we work with a number of Ukrainians. So family reunification cases going to Spartanburg. Um, Quite a few uh, Congolese as well as that community is built up. Um, Sudanese and even most recently starting to work with Afghans, you know, from who were recently evacuated due to the the uh, collapse of the government there. Oh, wow. So let me get this straight. If you have um, an immigrant community, for example, in the upstate, you don't address that immigrant community. Your um, clients um, come from um, when they're recommended through your program. Is that is that right? Yeah, exactly. And and there are some services that we can provide to people who kind of walk in and request services for, you know, making referrals to, um, you know, uh, immigrant legal services, um, helping them, uh, providing access and helping them through the process of enrollment in school, depending on kind of uh, uh, the community and their, their background, gives us a few options for them. But again, the majority of those that we serve are those who come specifically through the Refugee Resettlement Program. Um, and um, we are the ones more or less that bring them here. So they're here because World Relief is here, and then we're able to help process their case and help them start that process of rebuilding their lives. Okay, so Austin, in starting that process, um, you find them housing. Do you follow up with them? And for how long do you follow up with them? Yeah, so we we do help with everything from housing to food to um, help with employment, um, all of that. Uh, typically, it's most extensive within that first 90-day period. Um, but we do work with most of our clients up to five years uh, and, and partner with them on different things, especially right now during COVID. We've, we've seen extra needs um, as people have dealt with extra difficulties with, with the pandemic and things like that. So we do work with them most extensively, especially with the case management needs. Uh, our case management team handles a lot of those different um, things of um, making sure that we're, we're compliant with uh, the different requirements from the government. Um, but up to five years, we do work with them on, on what we call extended case management. Uh, and also that's where um, we, we hope to build those relationships. So even if it's not something that's case management related, uh, we still have a community that they have been built around them uh, to serve them, to love them, um, to just become a, a friend, a family to them um, in their new home. Um, so we definitely, we definitely, or most extensively working with them when they arrive initially. Um, but we, we, we tend to uh, hope to have relationships with them ongoing and, and see them grow and flourish in the upstate. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, some good work there. Uh, Brandon, uh, do you use federal dollars for these types of programs? Do you take personal donations? How does it work? Yeah, so we um, it, it's a combination. So we definitely do rely on um, local donations and people um, generously providing for um, a number of the services and um, kind of those direct services to refugees that are coming in. Um, we also have um, uh, state level funding. Um, and so some of our programs. So Austin mentioned, for example, um, our employment uh, program. So we do job uh, readiness um, uh, work with uh, refugees, we connect and network with local businesses, who, which honestly, right now with the labor shortages, they're coming to us saying, "Hey, do you do you have anyone that we can hire?" Um, making those referrals and helping with that initial job placement, 
you know, that program is predominantly funded through the state. Um, the initial 90 day uh, program. So Austin was referring, you know, talking about that initial support, which is a bit more intensive, um, has more federal requirements and what we need to provide for them. That's a 90 day process. That process is through um, is is through the uh, federal funding and um, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, ORR. Well, Austin, um, Brandon just mentioned that now employers are coming to you. In the past, have you found it easy to place the refugees in jobs? Have you have you found it easy to find placements for them? Yeah, I think we we have seen a difficulty in education, uh, especially in terms of educating employers on their their legal status to work. If so, if they're if they're a refugee coming to us, they are legally eligible to work in the U.S. Um, and so a lot of that was need, I mean, requiring education for the, the employers just to understand they are legally uh, able to work. Um, we do also, um, we did have some difficulties when the office opened uh, in terms of educating employers uh, of who these people are and why they're here. Um, but I, I think as we, if, as the office has grown and employers have hired um, our refugees, they've seen that they are uh, ready to work. They're, they're always really good workers. They're, they're willing to, to do hard work and, and to earn their living here uh, in the U.S. And so I think it's more of a, a process of educating um, employers on uh, their situation and, and knowing that we'll be there too as a support to educate and to help with training and interpretation services, things like that, um, to support both the client that we have, but also the employers that are, that are being really a blessing in helping us um, employ these people um, to get their life started here. Um, it's it's good to hear that we are able to help, you know, people who are going through tough times in their countries of origin settle and um, start a new life here. Now, I have a question, um, and this is a, a cultural question. How is assimilation, um, and this this question goes to Brandon, um, you know, getting vaccinated. I'm, I'm talking about, for example, children who may have to get vaccinated, religious differences. How is the assimilation for the refugees? Yeah, so, um, you know, we definitely do look for the, the people coming in, the communities coming in. Uh, to be set up so that they can successfully integrate into the communities that that they they are in. Um, you know, I will say uh, the you know Austin again mentioned like their eagerness to work. So they they want to work. They want to become self sufficient. You know, they they do obviously in the beginning they require a lot of services, but their goal is to be you know independent, uh, be on a pathway to citizenship, and and you know experience the American dream and and to have that freedom and to to be able to lead their lives independently. Um, and to do that, they also, you know, they want to learn English. So part of the programming that we do provide is, is um, you know, access, making referrals and access to um, English learning opportunities for refugees and, and especially the adults for children overseeing that process of enrollment so that they can be um, integrated into schools successfully. And that means working with the parents, working with the children so that, you know, going through that cultural understanding of the differences of school here, perhaps, but then also working with teachers so that teachers have an understanding of their background, maybe some of the unique uh, challenges or, op or opportunities so that they're equipped and they're able to kind of bring them in and make them part of that classroom. So that classroom is a safe place for them. So it really is 
Uh, the goal that we see of people coming in is to integrate, is to learn English um, and learn about our culture. And we provide cultural orientation and we help facilitate a lot of that. But a lot of that also comes through the relationships that are established. So as we as we bring communities together, it is the refugee community having friendships, having connections with people that they can learn from personally to be able to integrate. But it's also a transformational process for the receiving community where, you know, the the richness of their um, own understanding and experience and the broadening of their worldview as they also are able, you know, kind of adjusting and learning and growing through that process. So we love to see those mutually transformational relationships happening to where uh, there is that integration and uh, growth and set for success. Integration, growth, broadening of the worldview. Um, those are all good points. Um, back to you, Austin. Uh, you know, there have been times that I have heard about crime rates um, going up in certain communities because of immigrants um, and refugees. Do we find that here in the upstate or with the um, with the individuals that come through the World Relief Program? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't have the statistics with me in terms of... Did, Uh, specific crime rates, but I would say that um, many of the refugees we serve are coming from difficult situations that include war, violence against them and their communities. Um, I've heard stories of, of, of some of our refugees, and that's all they remember as a child is, is seeing bloodshed and, and, and violence. And so what we, what we encourage communities to understand is that they are not coming here to seek more of that. They're coming to escape those difficult situations and want to create a, a secure and safe life here. And so we often see that immigrant communities have lower crime rates just due to some of those situations and some of that experience of trauma and, and wanting to, to have a place where they can, they can just have a safe home, a safe community, a place to work, a place to raise their, their children. Um, and so we often don't have any issues with any, any of the crime that people often associate with immigrants um, and, and immigrant communities. Uh, it's often usually the opposite, where we see lower um, instances of crime and, and difficult uh, situations in the communities, um, because, again, they're just wanting to seek a safe life. They have heard so much about how, how America can give them a place to, to just safely um, build their family, um, build their, their lives here. Uh, and so we, we, we don't usually see that. Uh, and we, we see communities that are just thankful to, to have a safe place to be. And, um, and we try to support them in that. If I just, uh, he just kind of mentioned the data point, but one, one interesting, you know, data point, and, and, and this is to maybe more, um, you know, extreme cases where there is kind of people who, who maybe would view the potential, uh, especially from certain areas of, you know, refugees being a pathway for people that would want to harm us. And that's that's often a, con a concern that we hear. And, and it's an interesting kind of stat that so the the, the Refugee um, Act was um, signed into being in 1980. Since that time, roughly three million refugees have come through the U.S.'s refugee resettlement program. During that time, not a single one has taken the life of an American citizen in a terrorist act. Um, so it, because of the vetting that goes into it, being perhaps the most extensive vetting process of anyone that comes in, uh, the ones that do come um, are, are generally going to already, just like Austin said, be looking to escape from that 
finding a new safe community to be able to jump into. Well, thank you for sharing and thank you for shedding a light on, um, you know, some of the characteristics of these immigrant communities. Um, you know, so soon uh, we have about four minutes to wrap up our program. And so uh, I'm going to leave it to you guys. Um, but before I do that, if people want to learn more about you, where do they go? Yeah, so um, we can definitely, I don't know if there's a way to share in a chat or something like that, but um, we can put our website um, in the chat and um, if, or if people just Google World Relief Upstate South Carolina, they will, they will um, see our website. Uh, on our website, they can learn a lot more about the organization in general and also the services that we provide here in the upstate, um, you know, including uh, employment, education, um, case management. Um, they can also see ways that they can contribute, whether that be in advocacy. Uh, we're always looking for, you know, ways for um, community members to advocate on behalf of refugees and raise awareness, um, opportunities to volunteer, and then um, I, opportunities to give and provide resources to better support refugees. Well, um, viewers, listeners, we have that website showing on the ticker. Um, it is, um, I, I, um, I don't have my glasses on. It's worldrelief.org forward slash upstate hyphen SC. Worldrelief.org forward slash upstate hyphen SC. And so please go on this website and learn more about um, the work of Austin and Brandon. Um, before we leave, uh, you know, Austin and Brandon, we would like for you to share um, any information that is on your heart for your organization with the um, with the audience. And so I guess we're going to start with Austin. Um, please share with us um, what you would like our audience to know and the steps that they can take to embrace um, the refugees that come into our communities. Yeah, um, I I think one of the main things that um, I've seen lately is, is especially our church teams um, being willing to um, step up and, and really serve well. Um, we had a, a church actually in the upstate um, recently have a dinner with one of our Afghan families. And um, just to be culturally familiar, we, we sat on the floor and ate um, in a line with, with Afghanistan's culture. Uh, and just those things uh, I encourage people to always do, um, even if they do come from a certain background, a certain set of beliefs, um, we as an organization have our own set of beliefs, but we always try to encourage cultural humility um, and, and just being curious, being just genuinely curious about learning um, about other people, about their backgrounds, about their cultures uh, and being willing to to learn new perspectives. Uh, and that usually, um, as we see, usually um, creates the best experience, um, both for our clients, but also for the community that uh, wraps around them and, and, and helps to serve them. So that's something that I would encourage everyone to do, even with not even engaging with us, just in general, um, always have that open mind and, and being willing to to engage in that way. Wow. Best experience for your clients and for the community. Um, very well said. Uh, Brandon, um, we would like for you to share some words with our audience as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thanks again, just for highlighting this important topic. Um, just, you know, just to mention, and, and right now, there's a lot of focus on the Afghan crisis and, and people being evacuated from Afghanistan, as as it should be. It's currently perhaps the most urgent situation. And we hope that, you know, the current administration uh, 
continues to to bring them out into safety. But there, but it highlights a broader refugee crisis that is unfolding, uh, in which 27 million people have been displaced because of that fear of persecution and violence. Um, and that's the most since uh, the end of World War II, when there was mass displacement after the war. And, you know, it can be daunting at times, but then if we bring it down to the local level of just the upstate and we say, okay, we'll have these We'll have families coming in and it's a unique opportunity. It's a unique opportunity, again, for us to engage, to show support and care and create that welcoming community for people who have been through such trauma and difficulty over the past. And people that uh, are resilient have shown a, a level of resiliency that I have never had to ex- you know, even, even uh, experience or pursue. Um, and so, you know, having the opportunity to welcome these people into our communities, build those relationships and, and we've just been encouraged by by that, you know, as, as Austin was alluding to, um, you know, we with Afghans coming in with with larger numbers and not huge numbers, but maybe over the next year, 150 refugees coming into the upstate uh, with those numbers. We have just seen an overwhelming amount of support from the community. And that's from churches that that's from local businesses, uh, individuals, um, other, you know, grassroots programs reaching out. Um, independent of us, reaching out and saying, what can we do to help them? What can we do to welcome them and create that welcoming community? So just to say thank you uh, to the Upstate for being welcoming and supportive um, and encouraging people um, to look for ways for them to be involved, uh, to love their new neighbors here. Loving our neighbors, loving our neighbors is so important. And to hear that the community has been welcoming is also um, is also good to hear. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for um, the opportunity to learn about Wild Relief Services and what you do. Um, thank you for shedding a light on the refugee community in this area, um, the population, and also for being a light for others. Um, in my experience, I know that sometimes, you know, when you hear from a community leader um, that you have something in common with, you're more likely to listen to that person, especially when it comes to assimilation. And so keep up with the good work as you welcome these immigrants into our community and teach them the American way so that they can be part of this fabric of the great nation of the United States of America. Uh, Now, viewers, you know, you know, you know, this is Margie March. If you're not subscribing to Margie TV, this is your time. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, you are missing out. We are a globally ranked podcast. And so find us, Humanity Chats with Margie. We are on all the major podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, Innovation Abound. Thank you. Thank you. Um, shout out to the Margie TV team um, for all the hard work behind the scenes. We are very grateful for the opportunity to come to your screens and on your devices on a weekly basis. This has been Austin and Brandon from Wild Relief Upstate South Carolina sharing about um, Wild Relief with us and about the refugees and immigrants in our community. We hope to have them back um, again some other time so they can give us a follow-up of of what is happening with um, the new refugee status. As they just told us with the Afghan crisis, we are getting people from different countries now. And so we would like to do a follow-up maybe sometime next year and learn more. But thank you so much, guys. It has been an honor to speak to you all. Thank you so much. It's It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. Share with a friend. We are humans from all around the world. One kind only, and that is humankind. Your friend, Margie Marge.